so I'm going to pick up where I left off last week, if you don't mind. Um, we, we started talking about worship, right? And, and worship is not just singing a song, is it? Worship is a way that we live our life. Do you think that you can play golf as worship? I know that's a stretch. Peter, what do you think? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I can. The way I golf, it's definitely not worship. Um, but, but, uh, but anyway, but what Paul says, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, right? Do it with all your heart, with all your might. If you're going to sing, then sing with all your heart. If you're going to play with your kids, then give them all you got. If you're going to work, then work with all your heart. Do your best because you're giving glory to God, right? Now, if you don't let people know that you're a follower of Jesus, well, then do whatever you want. But if you're going to claim to be a Christian, then do your best. Okay, I don't have a Christian bumper sticker on my truck because I don't drive like a Christian. <laughs> my driving is not worshipful, all right? And I've had plenty of, uh, of tickets because of that. And so uh, I've told you some of those stories. Now, God is working on me. I am not perfect yet. Don't judge me, all right? Some of you out there, you know. But, uh, you know, we, we all have these areas that we need to submit and surrender to Jesus. And so somebody was honking at me the other day. I don't even know why, you know, giving me that Hawaiian good luck sign. But anyway. Um, but everything that we do, we do for the glory of God, right? That's worship. Paul says this in Romans 12 too, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Okay, that's, that's pleasing, that it is acceptable to the Lord. He says this is your spiritual act of what? Worship. That's from the NIV, the non-inspired version. But I like the way that it translates that. This is your spiritual act of worship, to present yourself to God as a living sacrifice. So sometimes we wrongly assume that because we sit in church, we bring our Bibles or, you know, we got our digital Bibles and maybe we lift a hand, you know, sometimes we do the carry the TV, you know, kind of a thing. And sometimes we do the, you know, the field goal. Sometimes we, you know, hold the baby. Some, we got different ways that we worship. But, you know, sometimes we think that that just because we lifted our hands, we worship. Well, maybe, but not necessarily. We, we worship Worship really is an odd response to the saving grace and to the, to, the, to the praiseworthy acts of a gracious God. It's a loving response. So really, the more that we love, right, the deeper our sense of gratitude. So, you know, we, we read out of Luke chapter 7 last week about the woman with the alabaster jar and the perfume who broke it over Jesus and, and the whole room was filled with its fragrance. And we as worshipers, we want to fill our city with the fragrance of God's kingdom, don't we? And so everything that we do as an act of worship, guess what it does? It brings kingdom priority. It brings kingdom blessing. It brings kingdom... Um, just a kingdom attitude to our workplace. Do you know that God has placed you as good seed into the field of the world to bring his kingdom, right? And there's people that God wants you to bless, okay? In your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, wherever you are, God wants to bless people through us. So we want to live as worshipers. So we talked last week about becoming less aware of ourselves and those around us and being fixed on the person of Jesus and what he's done, right? 
I, I, I remember reading this story. I know I'm getting a little bit off track, but, you know, it's a series, so I can always pick it up later. But that was a joke. <laughs> but I read a story one time, and it was about uh, one of Alexander the, the Great's generals. And his wife had, had leaked information to someone and had committed treason. And for, for Alexander the Great, the way that he ran, you know, his empire and his military, that treason was uh, punishable by death, no exceptions. And so this particular general was his bravest and his best. And this general, his wife had leaked information to an enemy, and it caused them some trouble. And so she's standing before the emperor, and uh, he's reading what she had done and he's ready to pronounce the sentence and that general stood up and he got between the, the emperor and his wife and he said he said sir let the punishment fall upon me and spare her right and and alexander as the story goes he was filled with emotion because of one this this man had dedicated his life and saved his life many times. But he was also moved by the love that this man had for his wife. And so he stood up and he set her free. He forgave her for her crime. And as they're walking away from the emperor, the, the general looks at his wife and he says, Did you see the look on the general's face when he pardoned you? Aren't you so grateful? And she said, No. She said, all I could see was the face of the man who is willing to take my punishment, right? Doesn't that remind you of something? That's the gospel, that because Jesus took our place, he took our punishment. Man, that should, there's something in us that just adores him, right? That's the heart and the essence of why we worship. Because worship is rooted in the character and the trustworthiness of God. We either worship or we worry but we can't do both. Okay, if we're worriers, we're not worshipers. If we're worshipers, we're not going to be worriers. And so I want to talk a little bit about what happens when we worship. In Psalm 103, turn there really quick. It's right in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 103. If you stole a Bible out of the hotel that you stayed in last night, okay, it's on page 522. I'm kidding, I didn't steal this. <laughs> they give those away. <laughs> All right. So what happens when we worship? David says this. He says, praise the Lord, I tell myself. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. What's he saying here? Sometimes you got to make yourself praise God, don't you? It's because I don't know if you're like me. It just doesn't roll out of you naturally. You don't just get up in the morning. Whoo, God is so good and I feel so great and life is awesome. How many tiggers do we have out there? Okay. <laughs> One. Okay. All right. We got one. Yes. And Karen is like that. Bouncy, prouncy, fun, 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 right? The wonderful thing about tears is you're the only one. That's what it says. That's how it goes. Yeah, well, when you have six kids, you know those things. Just intrinsic. Okay, but, but a lot of us are more like, you know, kind of Eeyore, you know, where's my tail? Ooh, you know. And, uh, and so we've got to make ourselves be worshipers. We've got to force ourselves into it a little bit. I remember my mom, she used to, my mom was, I love you, mother, but a little bit crazy, okay, in a good way. 
But I remember as a teenager, what's that? You've met my mom, right? If you know her, you, you know that I'm telling the truth. She is the most incredible, awesome lady. But she's just a little crazy like all of us. That's where I get my wacky side. But my mom, as a teenager, and I have a house full of teenagers right now, it's like drama central. <laughs> drama, 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 drama. You know, it's just poof. But uh, and then you throw me into the mix, and Shanda, it's like, wow. It is quite a soup. It is gumbo all the way. And so, so it, it, you know, when I was a kid, I just, I don't know, I'd get moody or get upset about something, and I just would be frumping. And my mom would do this, and it drove me absolutely nuts, but I see the brilliance in it now. Is I, she, you know, I just want to go in my room and be left alone. And she'd say, you come out here right now. She's five foot two. You know, she's just a little lady. But I'll tell you, even now, I wouldn't backtalk her because she'd haul off and just whack you, you know. <laughs> my mom would grab whatever she could find and just, you know. And, my, and when I grew up, you know, we, you know I, I'm good. I give three whacks to my kids when I spank them. My mom did not quit when I cried. She, did, she quit when she was tired. Okay, that's when she quit. And she's, she still chops wood at 71 years old. So, you can, you know, when she was in her 30s, she could go for a while. But anyway, that's another story. But so my mom, she'd say, you come stand here, Philip. She called me Philip when I was in trouble. And so I'd stand in front of her and she'd go, now put your hands in the air. Put your hands. So I'd put my hands in the air. Get them up there. Now praise the Lord. You know, I'm like, what? And she'd tell me, praise the Lord. I'm like, praise the Lord, you know. And she'd have me, you know, she'd tell me to jump. She'd have me, you know, pretty soon I'd start laughing and problem solved. It was over. But she would make me praise the Lord. That's what David's saying here. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. Praise him. Praise him. Don't forget all the good things that he does for you. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He ransoms you from death. He surrounds you with love and tender mercy. He fills your life with good things. Say that. God fills my life with good things. Come on, say it again. God fills my life with good things. Now, if you don't believe that, stand up, lift your hands, and praise the Lord right now, okay? So... So last week we started down this road, and I'm going to give you eight things. I wrote them out on your notes just in case I don't get through them all, but it's on the back of that little green sheet of paper. But worship gives us influence in heaven, right? And last week we talked about Joshua. In Exodus chapter 33, we talked about how Moses would go into the tabernacle, and the presence of God would come down. And it says that Moses would talk to God face to face in verse 11 as a man talks to his friend right wow can you imagine that face to face Moses is having this conversation with God and then and then it says he would get up and he would leave and go back to his tent but the young man Joshua stayed behind in the tabernacle in God's presence Joshua loved to linger in God's presence that's an amazing thing it took me a long time of reading the Bible before I saw that. And I went, wow, Joshua was a guy who loved to stand in God's presence and just stay there. We call that soaking today. But this was pre-Bethel Church, okay, Redding, or, you know, Redding, California. Moses was, or uh, Joshua was the soaker, okay? So they didn't come up with that. It was there all along. But Joshua, 
It says in Joshua chapter 10, you remember that we talked about this last week, but there was that battle, okay, with the Amalekites, right, and, all, and the five kings, and, and so Joshua, they, they're fighting them, and, you know, God says, listen, I'm going to fight for you, and cool things are happening, read the story, Joshua chapter 10, and then it's getting late, and the sun's getting ready to go down, and they still haven't won the battle yet, so Joshua cries out, and he says, sun, stand still, moon, hold your place, right? And so for a whole day, it stayed just like that. And so they were able to wipe out all of the enemy. And then it says, never before and never again or never since has God listened to the voice of a man like he did with Joshua that day. What? That's amazing. Because Joshua loved to stay in God's presence because Joshua was a worshiper. God listened to him when he called out. What would God do for you if you just said, God, I'm going to stay in your presence. I'm going to be somebody who just lingers with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devote my life to worshiping you. Worship gives us influence in heaven. So enough said about that. Number two, when we worship, God works. But when we worry, what does God do? He waits. He just kind of waits, okay? But when we worship, God goes to work. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going we're gonna to stay here for a little bit today. And uh, I'm going to try to finish this because we have some other cool stuff for next week. But Joshua chapter 20, or uh, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles chapter 20. There's a war with Moab, Ammon, and Edom. And uh, this is kind of a big deal. Verse 1, we're going to start there. After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the, the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazon Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was alarmed okay, at this news, and so he sought the Lord. Usually when we get alarmed, we react, right? Bah! You know, we run around like Chicken Little, right? Oh, the sky is falling. Oh, maybe I should pray. But, Joseph, but, but Jehoshaphat, when he was alarmed, he said, I got to seek God because there's nothing I can do about this anyway, right? So God, I'm going to throw this back in your lap. He sought the Lord for guidance. He also gave orders that everyone throughout Judah should observe a fast, when was the last time that you fasted? My wife loves to fast. Me, not so much. You know, because my body fat is so low that, uh, <laughs> not true, that's a lie. I just, I'm a horrible, I'm a whiner. We're going to talk about whining here in a minute. But sometimes we just need to fast to get a hold of God. Sometimes it just to clear out the clutter. You know, you don't, it doesn't always have to be food. Maybe you can take a, 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 a three or four or a month or whatever and just turn off the TV, okay? Turn, turn off, turn, whoa, turn off the phone, did you say? Let's not get too aggressive here. We got to, you know. But, but maybe, it's, maybe it's media, maybe it's social media for you. Maybe who knows what it is that God might be asking you to let go of to refocus, on him, right? So Jehoshaphat says, if we're going to really seek God, we're going to fast. And so they, no food, right? So he gave orders that everyone throughout the whole country should observe a fast. 
So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord. That was a corporate prayer meeting. Oh, before I die and go to heaven, I just want to see the whole church come out for a prayer meeting sometime. Maybe we need to call a fast in order to have that happen. I don't know. Hmm. Don't get any ideas, honey. Jehoshaphat stood before the people of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And I'm going to go quickly through this. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. Guess what that is right there? That's called praise, isn't it? Telling God, reminding God, reminding yourself as you tell God who he is and what he's done, right? We're declaring who God is and his greatness and his power. You can do it. And when you start to do that, as Jehoshaphat started to do that, all of a sudden when we begin to praise God and to declare who he is, guess what? Something happens in our spirit. Faith begins to rise, doesn't it? And sometimes we don't get to that place of faith because we don't spend enough time praising. All right? And so you are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth, including these kings. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. And then he goes on, and he says, he says in verse 9, he says, whenever we're faced with calamities such as war, disease, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored, and we can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us, and you will rescue us. And now look, look and see what the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations that Israel left in, when Israel left Egypt. God, the reason that they're bugging us, it's, it's because you wouldn't let us kill them early on. <laughs> For now they've come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Guess what? You have an enemy too who wants to rob you of the inheritance that God has for you. He does. What prophetic words has God spoken over your life that have not yet come to pass? You need to learn how to fight for those because the enemy wants to strip those away from you. He does not want you to walk in all the things that God has for you. So this is us right here. We, we too have an enemy who wants to kick us out of our inheritance. Our God... Uh, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I love that. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. And as the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives and their children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehazel, son of of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jehiel, uh, goes on and on. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Have you ever had God say that to you? I have recently. Don't worry. I got this. That's one of the things that we wrote on the wall in our bedroom. God's got this, right? God is for me. I love what Paul said. He says, if God is for you, who can be against you? Okay? We are more than conquerors through our great intellect, right? No. We are more than conquerors because we can bench press, you know? No. We are more than conquerors 
Do two people know that verse? Yes. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Okay, we are victorious. So don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. Tomorrow, march out against them. You know what? Just because you're a worshiper doesn't mean you're not a warrior. And that's what I believe God wants us to be, is worship warriors. Just because you can sing on key doesn't mean you don't have to fight. Okay? Worship is warfare, people. It is. It is warfare. Tomorrow, march out against them through the ascent of Ziz, the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not even need to fight. Hmm. Check this out. Underline this in your Bible. Highlight it on your Bible app. Take your possessions, or take your positions, rather. Take your position and stand still and watch the Lord's victory. What is your position? Are you in the place that God has called you to be? Are you serving where God has called you to serve? See, sometimes we're expecting God to work miracles for us, but we're not in the place of his appointing. We're not in the position that he has placed us. We're not doing what he's asked us to do. And so if, if, if we're getting defeated, 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 sometimes we got to say, okay, God, what was the last thing that you spoke to me? Have I done it? Have I been obedient? Take your position, he says. Take your position. Stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out there tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bows down. The story goes on. And he says, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Sometimes we got to hang on to the words that God has spoken over us. Sometimes it takes years for those things to come to pass, but we hang on to it and we push through despite our circumstances. We worship God in the dark, don't we? We got to be people who learn how to worship in the dark. We learn how to sing in the dark. We talked about that a couple months ago. There are prophetic words that God has spoken over our life that if you look at the current circumstance we're in, We'd be like, God, that was crazy. That was not you. But you know what? I'm hanging on. Paul says, by those words, wage a good warfare. Remember the prophecies that were spoke concerning you, Paul tells Timothy. And by them, wage a good warfare. Hang on to those promises. Remind God of what he said. And worship your way through the dark places. That's what God's calling us to do. Listen, all you people. And you will be able to stand. And after consulting the leaders of the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. What? Let's get a few minstrels out there to lead this army. I don't know, but I'm thinking if I'm going to war, I'm not going to want to have my wife in front of me. Right? Stand beside, little lady. I've got this, you know. I mean, I mean that's kind of how we are, right? As men, anyway. We want to protect our families. We don't put the singers. I mean, have you seen most of those guys? Right? Let's put the choir out there. I mean, I traveled with the Summit Choir, all right? Most of them are not warriors. Just saying. Except for my son, of course. Okay? But, but it's like you don't, you, know, you don't put them ahead of the army. That's just silly. 
But God has a different plan and a different strategy, doesn't he? Because it's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord, that these mountains will come down. And so we don't, the weapons of our warfare are what? They're not carnal. They're not something that you would understand by your own strategy, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So God has a different battle plan for us than just muscling through, right? What is it? It's worship. And so he says, put the singers. He appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I mean, can you imagine these guys, right? It's like, you're looking back, and the army's way behind you, the guys with the spears and the shields, and they're, they're like, all right, hope that works out for you, you know? I will rejoice, you know? Putting the choir out there, I don't know. So Forgive me, Lord. But this is what they sang. This is what they sang, it says. This is what, oh, wait, wait. Singing to the Lord and praising Him. What does it say? Praising Him for what? His holy splendor. What is that? That's the bigness, the majesty, the greatness, the power of God. They're singing about how great God is. All of a sudden, behind them, the ranks are starting to get excited. Something's happening. Something's happening in the spirit realm. Something's happening in the natural. And things are about ready to go all crazy. Oh, I love this story. They're praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Have you ever just said that over your circumstance? Give thanks to the Lord because his faithful love endures forever. It sure doesn't seem like you're being very faithful, God. Give thanks to the Lord. God, I want to give thanks. I, I want to give criticism. I want to complain. I want to give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love. And that means God will not stop until his will is accomplished. That's what faithfulness means. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. He's got you. Right? I think of another song. Anyway, moving on. At that moment, circle that in your Bible. Underline that. Highlight that. At that moment. What moment? When they began to sing and praise, not just, maybe it wasn't the first line of the song, but after a while, come on, give thanks to the Lord. His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the, something begins to happen in us. It might be the second, it might be the third, it might be the fourth, it might be the fifth, it might be the seventh time, it might be the 700th time, but we say it over and over and something begins to change inside of us and our circumstance starts to look really small. At that moment, they began to sing and to give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of, Adam, of, of Moab, Ammon, turned against their allies from Mount Seir. They killed every one of them. And after that, they finished off the army of Seir. They turned on each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point, they hadn't even pulled their swords out yet. When they arrived at the lookout point, what did they see? There were the dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Wow. 
but they found vast amounts of equipment and clothing and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the valley. What did they call that valley? The valley of blessing. The valley of blessing. God wants to turn the place of despair, the place where the enemy was going to wipe you out and destroy you. God wants to take it and turn it through your worship, turn it into a place of blessing. God will take us through difficult circumstances to bless us. Do you realize that? To bless us. Because he already has a strategy. He already has a plan. Our only job is to say, great is the Lord. His mercy endures forever. Come on, great is your faithfulness. We sang that. Wow. They gathered in the valley of blessing, which got its name that day, because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. Did they praise the Lord? Did they thank the Lord after the battle or before? Before. And I think what happened is the priests started singing. It was the choir that started to sing. But all of a sudden, something started happening back there in the ranks. And it was at that moment, as they began to sing, the people, it says down here, as that spirit of worship began to, to pass back and began to, to permeate the whole army, and they began to get into this thing. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, God began to work. Wow. So really quick, I'm going to end. I'm just going to throw out my, my eight points on what happens when we worship. You guys read the story. It's all there. But just so you have them, when we worship, God works. But when we worry, God waits. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Worship is your greatest weapon. It's not your knowledge. It's not your tenacity. It's your worship. That's your greatest weapon. Church, we need to become a people. We don't just sing the songs, but there's something in our hearts. This is God, you're good. God, you're faithful. We talked about this in men's Bible study last week. What was it about Job that when everything was stripped away from him, he fell down on his knees and he worshiped. We don't just worship when it's good. We worship all the time, right? Job said, even though you slay me, God, I'm going to praise you. And so what was the end of Job's life like? Twice as blessed as he was before. And he was already the richest guy around. God wants to bless you. But before he can, he has to take you through the valley of despair. And in that valley, the Bible calls it the valley of Achor. In the valley of Achor, I will build a door of hope, he says. The valley of Achor was where Achan got stoned because he stole and he hid and he got greedy and he disobeyed. He wasn't thankful. And he, and he, he tried to hoard it all for himself. And so he got stoned. They called it the Valley of Achor. But God says, in that place, I'm going to build a door of blessing. I'm going to take you through a dark place, a hard place, a difficult place, so that I can double your blessing on the other side. Are you willing to go through that for the blessing? Okay. Worship's our greatest weapon. It releases the armies of heaven to fight on our behalf. If we can't worship in the dark, 
then we're left to our own devices. Worship turns what seems to be certain destruction into blessing. We read that. Worship is the catalyst that sets into motion our freedom. And you can read this in Acts chapter 16. This is where Paul and Silas are in prison. They're beaten for preaching the gospel. I don't know about you, but I'd probably be complaining, man, I was just trying to do what you told me to do, and now I'm beaten and thrown in jail. How many of us are like that? God, I'm just trying to do your will here. Why are you making it so hard? Okay, those words have come out of my mouth before, I'm ashamed to say. But so they're in prison. They're chained up. They're hanging, you know, in chains. And what do they do? Midnight. At the darkest moment, what did they do? They began to sing. They began to worship. And what happened? God caused an earthquake. A rumbling start. You know, that's a whole other sermon, and I'm sorry, we're already over time. But God broke through for them and set them free. Worship is the catalyst that puts the hand of God into motion in your life. But if they sat there and said, man, I don't get it, God. Where were you in all this? Well, guess what? They might have been there for a while until they could get to that place. But immediately they began to worship. And immediately God came through and began to fight for them. Worship taps heaven and draws the presence and the power of God as praises go up, blessings come down. I wanna, we're going to end with this psalm, Psalm 62. You can stand up. If you're standing, I'm assured to be quitting. Um, can, can we have the, the worship team come up here? I want to sing that song. I'm going to end with that song. Um, uh, that one, you know, that one. I don't know if we can sing that. Uh, I do, I just, I want one of these here. Here, I want to sing Every Giant Will Fall. How about that? All right? In Psalm 60, <clears throat> Psalm 67, this is what David says. I want you to catch this. May God be merciful and bless us. Is it okay to pray that God would bless you? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. May God be merciful and bless us. And may his face shine with favor upon us. You know what that means? God, smile on me. God, let me know that you favor me. Let me know, God, that you're with me. Smile my way. May your ways be known throughout the earth, your saving power among the people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O oh God. May all the nations praise you. How glad the nations will be singing for joy because you've, given, you've governed them with justice and direct the actions of the whole world. Verse 5, may the nations praise you, O God. May all the nations praise you. Then, circle that. You don't have your Bibles, that's okay. It's circled in mine. May all the nations praise you. Then, the earth will yield its harvest and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us. And people all over the world will fear him. The catalyst for us being able to bring God's kingdom to Bend, Oregon and beyond. The catalyst for an open heaven over our life and the blessings of God to come down are that we praise God with everything that we have. When praises go up, blessings come down. That's just how God hardwired it to work.
Worship warriors live a life of celebration. Wait a minute. What does that mean? That means we're always looking for something to celebrate. We're looking for the good things that God does because they're all around us. And lastly, this is for me personally. Warriors are not whiners. Whiners are not winners, right? If you, if you can't win if you're whining, at some point we got to give up our right to a pity party. We got to not look for sympathy. We want to be empowered by God's Spirit, right? No more pity parties, no more whining. God is with us, God is for us. We can do this, amen? Let's sing that song.